Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik and I'm here as ever with Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going? It's going okay. Like, um, we had about almost 20 hours worth of rain Ooh, yeah that's interesting yeah it just started raining at like two o'clock on tuesday and then didn't stop until about noon or so that okay. math doesn't totally work out i acknowledge that <laughs> but it, i mean i'm sure it stopped at some point so the math i'm rounding up but yeah yeah seattle got like seattle like the city got like two inches of rain in like a 24-hour period which is apparently a lot even for seattle and mm -hmm. but yeah it's just been raining pretty much non-stop since tuesday um it's not supposed to rain tomorrow which seems like a horrible thing it should be raining heavily tomorrow yes. um we're recording on thursday we should note for listeners we normally, should note that right yes. we normally record on fridays uh but which will re be reflected in the number of shows i have watched more on that later <laughs> right so but normally we record on fridays uh which would have my tone would be significantly different. It should be yes. significantly different right now. But I've also had like a pint of cider, and I'm still on painkillers, so yeah, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little loopy. Uh, but that's good. That's okay. It makes for entertaining podcasting. Yes. But yeah, so it's been raining pretty much all week. How have you? How has your week been? I know that you've had like a lot going on. You health, and you've also been traveling this week. So how have you been? Oh, I've just been exhausted yeah. because I'm on antibiotics and they like sap me of all my energy, apparently, mm -hmm. I have learned. Okay. Um, so, well, that's yeah, good I've to just know been... for future. That's good to know for future. Yeah. So um, I've been just like working and then like like the most low energy w way that I can work, <laughs> not moving very much. Um, I just, my students, I just make them drill stuff over and over. I don't think they like when I'm low energy. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, so I have, I, and then I'm drove halfway across the country because I'm in uh, DC for I'm going to be in DC for the Women's March on Saturday. And if any of y'all see me, come say hi. Um, but uh, yeah, so so I spent all of Thursday in a car because um, it was a 12 hour drive, and uh, I spent all of Wednesday packing and getting stuff ready and running errands for getting ready to drive halfway across the country. Uh, so I've seen almost nothing this week, listeners, because like everything we watch right right now airs on Wednesdays. Uh, a good solid chunk of it. Um, so I'm going to be here for color commentary and moral support, Noel. How am I doing so far? You're doing great, Kate. Thank you. You're the, no, you're the moral support. That works out. Yeah. Well, you know what else is moral support, of course, is our fabulous listeners. And we heard from a few of you guys this week on Twitter. Um, Thank you very much uh, for giving us some feedback. Apparently, Noel, you sound amazing. I, well, first of all, I always sound you always amazing. sound, but even like even more crisp. I sound amazing. -er. We can yeah. like appreciate your amazingness more now, right? And yes, so no, we our new microphones, and also the fact that you told me which end of the microphone to <laughs> speak into last week made a huge difference. <laughs> so all thanks actually go to Kate for telling me. Yeah, you idiot. It's unidirectional. It's only one side of the Mac microphone. It's just, oh, 
which okay. I didn't figure out through our instructions because they're not in our instructions. <laughs> no, there were no instructions. It was just, here's your pretty new microphone. Yeah. It's just like, that's helpful. They were super discounted, everyone. <laughs> they were super discounted. Uh, but yeah. we wanted to thank TV is great for reaching out and letting us know that because, like, I mean, I, to be honest, I, I edit through earbuds, so I have really unfortunate <laughs> sound quality, so I can't tell all the time. So it's it's nice to get some feedback. Um, we also got some feedback from Kalachi Nikdu, which, of course, love the name, fabulous, um, about um, uh, when we rise and talking about uh, – that brought that, docu- uh, that miniseries more to my attention, so thank you for that. And then also a little bit about Harley. Now, what is – we talked about Harlot in our mid-season preview, Noel. This right. is the period drama set in a, a, a I want to say London, but British uh, London, brothel. London, yes. 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 And the drama is? It's um, Harlot's on Hulu, and it's, I want to say 18th century. I want to mm-hmm. say 18th century. But it deals with a brothel, like you said, in 18th century London. And as uh, Clartu pointed out to us, uh, there was this was an uh, this is an ITV import which I wasn't aware of until uh, Klaatu t- tweeted both of us, and there was some rigmarole and about sourcing for the show in which the producers were just like we've read a lot of nonfiction and primary source stuff. It's not on us to say that it's directly based on anything. And this female historian who wrote a book about a, a brothel, I think that was located in Covent. Covent Garden um, was just like, uh, yeah, they just ripped off my book and they're not giving me any credit for that. That's mm-hmm. an issue, and which I was unaware of because uh, this all broke down over the sum- last summer um, when it, I assumed that it, when it originally aired on ITV over in the UK. So I was completely and totally unaware that it was even an import. I thought it was like pure Hulu, Hulu original as opposed to what all the streaming services do when they license something and then slap an original label on it, which is what mm-hmm. Netflix loves to do. But Hulu's doing it with uh, uh, Harlots. And so I was unaware of that. And I haven't had an opportunity to even watch anything yet. But that has me kind of side-eyeing the entire project at this point, that they're just kind of like, yeah, we hired a bunch of women writers and a bunch of women directors, but maybe we're not going to give this nice lady historian any credit for the show that we used maybe but we read a lot of other stuff but but as a recovering academic (laughs) you cite your sources and if one source maybe kind of rose to the top a little bit you pay the you pay the licensing fee and you pay the associate producer credit that you have to maybe give and you just deal with it (laughs) well and then you bring them on as your historian to help you know verify things and you make the part of your press and you make it part of your angle for how you sell your show yeah it's not like this is a new idea no it's not a new idea at all and you're not like my sense of things is that they're not doing like a revisionist sort of thing like say underground is doing so there's no historian that's just like yeah they totally ripped off my whole historical fanfic about slaves doing an escape no there's none of that so, but no, it's a good selling point. I agree. And they should have maybe done that or like highlighted if they're so keen on having a all-female directorial staff and all-female writing room. Well, why wouldn't you hire or like bring out a female historian and be like, we used her work to inspire a lot of this stuff. It was really useful. Here she is to talk about this stuff. It was really good. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense to me anyway. 
Yeah, no, to me as well. So that is, I'm glad that that was brought to our attention because I, like yeah. you, I completely missed that when it no. the show originally aired. Completely missed it too. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also heard from Carl who, uh, who, who reached out and he's checked out Sneaky Pete already and is uh, really enjoying it. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Um, but I'm glad that he's enjoying it and that, that will like, I've heard from a couple of people who are enjoying it so that I think that's going to bump it up my, do I check it out? Cause as we talked about last week, I wasn't interested at all. So knowing that Carl who has good taste, I listens to our podcast. So clearly, um, but, um, <laughs> he listens to all the podcasts. So that's the thing. Like all the, all the TV podcasts that I listen to, like no Carl by name. So this doesn't actually necessarily say <laughs> that much about us, but, um, but he does, uh, like CQP. So we're check it Carl, out. but we're Carl's most favorite podcast. Like, we're Carl's most favorite podcast that is recording right now. So certainly, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you heard from Holly this week too. Right. I heard it from Holly. Uh, she let me know about some of the hundred stuff that was going on in case I needed like more ammunition about uh, naming Jason Rothenberg as my greatest television villain of 2016. And this idea about like ideas of Clark maybe moving on. Bullark uh, as a ship, maybe kind of Rothenberg's idea that that just kind of happened, that people just kind of made that up, but then like excerpts <laughs> of a script. And even I'm just like, guys, that's kind of in the show. They've been pushing but that her... since the beginning of the show. Right. Which isn't even something I really bought into because I was bought into Clark and uh, Bellamy as like co-leaders that kind of fought with one another, mm -hmm. but balanced each other out. I always really liked that dynamic, but uh, Holly just gave me more ammunition for it. But Harley's, Holly's great. I follow her on Twitter. She's got a shameless podcast called Alibi Cast, which is really great. Um, and she's got another one that deals with like fandom and how fandom works. And that one's also really, really good as well. So I recommend both of those. Holly's at Holly83, Holly E83 on Twitter. And yeah, she's, she's fantastic. And both of her podcasts are really good. Yeah. So y'all should go check them out. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and in a quick round of Yay Us, the, the review. Yay Us! Yeah. From David came through on iTunes um, from Randolph the Third. We are apparently the Mahler of TV podcasts, which really? is very exciting We're, for me because I love Mahler. But, but can we be like the Bartok of like Bartok, TV podcasts? Also very cool, but I will yeah. happily take the Mahler. I feel like, you I know. Mean, I guess. I'm not a big Mahler fan. I never, I've tried, Kate. I've okay. tried really hard. Like three symphonies. And no, I just, I, just, I can't. Does not, com does not compute null. No. Does not compute. Yeah. Mahler's amazing. It's so it's so wonderful to play. You're just like surrounded by sound. It's just ah, oh, it's wonderful. Um, that's okay though. I guess we can agree to disagree here. Um, he says, uh, Kate and Noel serve a swashbuckling Straussian tone poem in their TV reviews. What? And and continues in in like fashion. Um, it, I very much enjoyed all of the the music references that you worked in, David, which I know was a very conscious effort. That was delightful. Um, to pander to you, not necessarily to me. <laughs> um, uh, they, so they seemingly have all knowing knowledge of the TV world, like Bach head of music, and Bach was, or should I say, is the daddy. It's like that's entertaining. I, I'm like, come on, that, that that's good times. That's accurate, and also David should clearly watch Classicoids, the anime, wherein Bach is the daddy of a bunch of classical musicians turned 
androids. It's not super clear. I stopped watching because it got very silly, but I think that was the implication. Ah, that's the I'm intrigued. I'm even more intrigued now. Um, but but apparently, uh, David enjoys the bit at the beginning. Uh, where we hear about our lives a little bit. So, oh, okay. So you're going to really so like this episode. To... Yeah, you're going to love this. Uh, <laughs> but apparently we should work that in more, I guess, maybe. I guess. Well, uh, well, you know, good to know. Good to know. If you, yeah. And if, if you agree or disagree with David, you can let us know by leaving your own yes. review at iTunes. Much appreciated. And that's in the UK um, iTunes uh, MP4 feed if anybody wants to go read it because it's a it's a pretty delightful uh review there thank you so much again david uh sorry randolph randolph and um, <laughs> uh, we should also mention of course at the end of the show this week we're doing our 2017 tv resolutions we'll touch in on our 2016 resolutions and decide how we did and and talk about 2017 um and uh so that'll be coming at the end of the, of the episode but uh for now let's take a break listen to a little music and come back with our week in tv to celebrate grab a drink and fix a plate but before you feel too great remember that we suffered nights like these are filled with glee noshing dancing singing we but we sing in a minor key to remember that we suffered being happy is selfish remember that we suffered you have no idea what pain is remember that we suffered hey i mean would it be such a crime for the beastie boys or heim to mention in their songs one time remember that Grandma's a survivor. Remember that she suffered. This week in TV, Noel's going to talk a bit about Frontline, Divided States of America, and then give us an update on Terrace House. Inquiring minds want to know. Noel, I'm very interested where you're at in this. Um, this week, I caught up with quite a bit of Billy on the Street, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit. It's kind of my new favorite, like, if I only have... 25 minutes you know i'll just sit and watch that um and then noel's gonna talk about speechless si sick da day and fresh off the boat we should have two episodes this week the best of orlando and clean slate and then we'll wrap things up with crazy ex-girlfriend will scarsdale like josh's Shane upon um so and of course the the song leading into this was we <laughs> remember that we suffered from this week's episode of crazy ex-girlfriend um so noel uh <laughs> Uh, let's let's kick things off here with Frontline, Divided States of America. Just based on that title, I'm pretty sure I need to watch this. Okay, so Frontline uh, is one of those uh, PBS nonfiction shows that wasn't on like my list of things to watch with my 2016 resolution, but it kind of like creeped in. But it wasn't. It was also something that I didn't like watch consistently because just like I don't really need to watch episodes about terrorism. Thank you though, Frontline. I'm okay. Um, but this week they did a two-part four-hour news documentary about basically the election of Obama in 2008 all the way up to today and picking apart, uh, how base large news events and shifts within the Republican party resulted in Trump's election. Uh, not going into things like uh, voters or anything. They basically took a very DC approach to looking at this sort of thing. And it's an interesting documentary in terms of the fact that 
I think one of the big takeaways is that they take a lot of news events that defined Obama's presidency from Gates's arrest early on to uh, debt ceiling fights to all of the things with the House of Representatives that Obama dealt with to mass shootings to the birther movement, all this sort of stuff that came to be a large part of the Obama uh term the obama terms is that they have a number of like press talking heads so gq washington post new york times new york magazine and then a number of like washington insiders so eric Cantor's featured prominently and then a number of other folks that were in the house and a couple of folks from the senate are all like kind of chip in with their two cents in talking head styles but every time like a major news event occurs and is featured within the confines of their coverage basically they do like a straight news discussion or like representation of it and then in audio clips it's here's what fox was saying here's what rush limbaugh was saying here's what laura ingram was saying and so you get this we you get this not weird but you get this here's how most everyone reasonably probably tuned into this particular event and here's how this particular subsection of the media tuned into this event. And how that particular media, so talk radio and to a lesser extent, um, right-wing talk radio, I should specify, and things like Breitbart and a couple of other news sources that are online exclusive, uh, dealt with things like the, the Newtown shooting, um, how they turned very quickly on Republican leadership within the House. So Eric Boehner and even Eric Cantor to uh, John Boehner. Yeah, John, John Boehner, Boehner yeah. and Eric Cantor um, to a lesser extent, uh, but also very quickly. And how all of this kind of like coalesced into a thing that resulted in Donald Trump as someone who a number of people have acknowledged was very tapped into all of these particular types of news sources and crafted and amplified their, his message and their message into his campaign, how that gave rise to him in a certain extent and how that can be one particular factor within his ascension within the GOP and ultimately into the presidency. And it's a very sneakily woven into the narrative that they're constructing uh going into obama's presidency and everything around it and then trump's like trump pops up in like little cameos as like he was about to announce presidency when maybe announce a presidency when obama just went here's my long form birth certificate everyone you guys were asking for it and all this sort of stuff and it's actually it's one of the things that we I had discussed a little bit when we discussed uh, another documentary that dealt with um, Hillary Clinton's background and Donald Trump's background is that the narrative that was presented within that particular documentary didn't have a thesis, really, or a perspective that they wanted to offer up. This one, I think, has that in that they're trying to make a statement about where Trump was coming from and what Trump was responding to and how he was able to rise as quickly as he did and in such an unstoppable way. 
but they don't necessarily like draw huge connections to like voter base or economic issues or racism or anything like that. It's really limited to a very bird's eye macro DC view of things, which for a four hour documentary is fairly impressive because they're covering basically from them going, Sarah Palin's directly responsible for all of this because she was like the first person on the national stage who had a very populist conservative message and then saying, this is the end result of that. And so they're drawing a very clear through line, which I think is really interesting and compelling for a a news documentary, because Frontline is very much a news program. So it was just, it was an interesting thing. It's good to watch, um, and it's a four-hour thing that moves by really quickly. I basically watched all of it today. And it's... My only knock, as I've kind of said, is that it's a little too bird's eye. It's not as nitty-gritty as it maybe should be, and it's very DC-focused, which I think ignores some other issues. But DC has been such a prominent player within the backlash towards not only uh, within the ranks of the Republican Party, but also, to a lesser extent, within the Democratic Party this year, which is something that they don't go into at all, like... Hillary Clinton's primary campaign with, with against Bernie Sanders is someone who'd been in the Senate for decades, but positioned himself as kind of an out, a political, ideological outsider to Clinton, isn't really discussed at all. It's very much this kind of Obama's legacy versus Trump sort of thing, and where Obama's legacy fed into the creation of Trump in a lot of ways. And it's nothing particularly new or revelatory in any way, shape, or form, but it's all presented in a very coherent, cohesive argument that, again, like we dealt with, at least I had hangups with with the Clinton-Trump documentary from uh, right before the election, that... Yeah, the choice. The choice, that this had a much clearer through line, a much clearer narrative that I think they were trying to tell in a way that avoid... sidestepped an idea of being overly objective because a lot of the stuff that is espoused as terms of being overly political or overly unobject- unobjective in that kind of journalistic sense, is espoused by talking heads or other journalists. So it gives the documentary kind of a bit of cover to make this argument, which I think is crafty of them, but they're still making an argument, which I appreciate. So if you didn't have a chance to watch Frontline Divided States of America, I imagine it's on the Frontline website on PBS for as long as PBS is going to continue to exist based on the apparent budget proposal that Trump is following from the Heritage Foundation, which News Of leaked earlier this week. But that stuff will at least be available on the Frontline website, presumably, I would assume. If not, it's probably available on the PBS app or on other sources. And it's probably worth checking out um, after you've maybe recovered from this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> How sad is that? I'm like, thank goodness we know that Sesame Street will still be around because HBO. I, I don't want to get into that again because it's it's yeah. still depressing in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, go to a different street, a different happy house here and talk a little bit about Terrace House. Now, where are you, are you picking up? Are you picking up in your marathon or did you jump ahead to what's like the most recent stuff? I'm picking up in my marathon. I have like I want to say four to six episodes left of the season that originally aired on Netflix. Um, So I'm almost done, which means I can watch Aloha Aloha State, which is the new season that starts, I want to say next week. Um, Yeah, next week. 
Uh, even though none of the cast comes back or anything like that. I can watch it having a full sense of the previous show. Uh, the thing I just want to mention about this is that, I'm, like I said last week, I'm deeply invested in this show, and I didn't realize how deeply invested I was until um, Honda, who is this, gosh, he was 27, 26, 27 at the time of the filming, and he was an architecture student, uh, grad student at Tokyo University, which is big deal. And he was like the most mature, coolest guy. He was keeping all these also older than him, but also much younger than him people kind of in like good frames of mind and everything. And he left because he finished his, he finished his like thesis project basically. And he was just like, I got to focus on my career now. I have to move forward. So I need to leave. And like, everyone's crying. I'm crying because this is like the coolest person I've ever met. And or seen on a, like a television. I haven't met him. But, but feel like you've met. I yeah, feel yeah. like I've met him. And yeah. all this sort of stuff on like a television show. But the other thing is, is like the commentators are really kind of wrecked by him leaving too, which speaks to how much of like a huge impact he had had within the narrative of the show of not like guiding these people, giving really sound advice that maybe they weren't always taking, but it was always the right advice for the situation. And everyone recognized that. And even at their goodbye party, one of the housemates just goes, well, who's going to lead us now? And it's just like, oh. And it's... it's <laughs> Listeners, Noel just melted in his chair. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually standing. So I actually just kind of like did an elevator down Collapsed. sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those things. So if like, I know you haven't, but like if anyone's watched a bunch of anime, even even though he's younger than a couple of folks in the house... Those older people would still call him senpai, which is like an honorific that's given to folks who are older than you in terms of like class rank or that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. They would still call him senpai because he was just that much wiser and more together than they yeah. were. And so him leaving was like a really big deal for me. Like two other people had left earlier in the season and I was very sad about that because I liked both of them, but him i was just like why are you leaving me and just <laughs> tears and well, not a lot of tears but still some tears and yeah. i the only other thing i'll mention and we can go over to billy on the street next is that a ballerina came on um not long after he left and she was basically on for like eight episodes i want to say uh, before, like, she was, she did a ball ballet competition in which 150 women compete. And if you're not in the top three, your ba ballet competition, your ballet career is kind of pretty much over. Uh, but oh, she, man. Yeah, but she ranked, she came in six. But as soon as she performed, like, a studio approached her to, like, come and join them. And so she was just like, I have mm -hmm. to leave because uh, yeah. my life needs to be ballet entirely now. This eight weeks off was really nice, but my life again has to be ballet because she's been doing this since she was six. And mm -hmm. the only reason I bring this up is that Armand, who is a half Iranian, half Japanese um, fellow who's been on the show since like, basically since like episode 12, episode 20, he's been on basically for half the show at this point, mm -hmm. um, has had zero luck with uh, like making a love connection among any of the housemates. Mm -hmm. uh, like his previous love connection just went, I'm sorry, I'm not really in the mood for a relationship, even though we've gone on three dates. I really need to focus on my hats now, because she was a hat designer, and she had an exhi mm. exhibition coming up, so she was just like, sorry. And, like, 
the ballerina and Armand had really made like a connection. They had gone on like one date and things kind of seemed really promising. And then she's just like, I need to focus on my ballet career. I'm just like, this guy cannot win at all. (laughs) And like the girl that comes in to replace her within the cast is just like, I've got my eye on the 29 year old sous chef. That's going after the 18 year old, almost ready to graduate from high school student. Kate's making a face, but I mean, structurally and societally, that's not like super weird, apparently, based on the commentator discussion. Mm-hmm. I kind of raised a side eyebrow and wanted the girl's mom to like call in and be like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But not apparently a huge, huge deal within J- Japanese society or within like the confines of just dating a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, but she, he's just like, Armand can't win at all. At all. And it's just like, yeah, he can't. He can't win, and I feel really sad for him. But he's just like there's like again like six episodes left, and no one's getting replaced at this point because they're just going to be like, oh, you got six episodes. You're not going to have time to do anything. But six episodes left, and I'll probably be checking in with Terrace House um, with Aloha State, or when which take again takes place entirely in Hawaii with uh, based on the castle is kind of a mixed group of people. Um, but yeah, I'll be checking in with that because I've just, I now deeply understand why people get addicted to this kind of reality programming and I never thought it would happen to me, but apparently all it took was very polite Japanese people in their mid to early to mid late twenties and going, trying to make love connections. And apparently Noel is just a little puddle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Understandable. Understandable. <laughs> I think we've all been there. Um, well, I already mentioned at the show I was watching a bunch of street uh, this week, was Billy on the Street, and that's one that I have watched an episode here and there and mostly enjoyed, but I was surprised to find myself, like, that's kind of my go-to if I only have a half an hour at this point. Like, if I only have a half an hour and I don't have anything else I'm supposed to be watching that's on the DVR, I'll just, like, go to YouTube and watch a bunch of clips of different segments. <laughs> um, and I, what I've found that I really enjoy is the cross-section you get of New Yorkers. It's okay. such a portrait of New York and the reactions and the personalities and the uh, the range of New York. I, so I really appreciate it. Plus, of course, Billy Eichner is very funny and his just like I can't imagine how I would react if some really loud guy just like ran up to me with a microphone. For a dollar! Um, Okay. Like a very specific <laughs> pop culture question. Um, I love the specificity of it. And of course, being, you know, we watch a lot of TV here. We have, I'm sure, many, many thoughts uh, on pop culture. Often he'll ask a question and I'll be like, oh, I know what I would say if I wasn't startled by a very tall man in a T-shirt with a microphone and everything. Um, so I, I really appreciate the the, the, the different uh questions that he comes up with um many of the games like i just enjoy watching him break celebrities because of the ridiculous questions he's asking them and the ridiculous games he comes up with the um it's john oliver do you care it's pretty great it do you know who this is i'll give you a bunch of quotes about chris pratt but you've never heard of you have no idea who chris pratt is uh was like i think that was like the week he was named sexiest man alive too which was yeah. like, yeah, it was it was delightful. Um, so and just, and just seeing which celebrities New Yorkers care about and which ones they don't uh, at all is delightful. So, um, yeah, it, I've had a lot of fun 
just like binging some Billy on the Street um, on YouTube this week. Have you seen any Billy on the Street? Uh, only YouTube clips. Um, Eichner's persona is one that just kind of I can only take in YouTube clips. Um, mm-hmm. 25 minutes of that, I'm not sure I could handle. Um, Fair enough. Uh, mainly because I feel like he's shouting at me, even though I'm not there. And so I've watched a bunch of, like, they've released a bunch of YouTube clips this season to, like, promote the show this year. So I've seen the John, uh, do gay men care about John Oliver? And the answer is no, they care about Wendy Williams. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I saw them doing the non-obstacle, cor- double dare obstacle course with uh, Keegan-Michael um, uh, Keith? doing yeah uh doing gun control doing gun access and there being absolutely no obstacles to it (laughs) and that that i thought was very funny he's been he's been taking like a more political edge than what i've been aware of with him like i think i watched another clip in which he basically what did he ask it was oh it was american or un-american and i can't remember oh yeah, a, a real American, immigrant or real American. Amer- immigrant or real American, which was very funny because yeah. all the quotes were deeply American patriotic quotes, but they were all from immigrants. Shocking. <laughs> oh, the, no, I, I watched a different one, okay. which was American, uh, real, uh, immigrant or real American, and he would say the name of someone, and oh, then they had to say if, yes, no, that, if they were immigrant. That was it. I was thinking of something else, but that, yeah. yeah. But no, was... and all the real Americans were terrorists, right? Yeah, <laughs> and all the yes, <laughs> all the immigrants were noted uh, uh, people of uh, in in the arts and in uh, culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yep, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate a more be- political bent with it. Of course, it was a little surprise. No one who's listening, but um, also I think it's inherently political, just because you're seeing this cross section of America. Because he he'll go up to any age. Um, any sexual orientation or or um, presentation, um, and it's anyone, and and you, it's it's just lovely to see and to, to be surprised by who will have very established, thought out opinions about fill in the blank, right? Like that one lady really cared about bones being canceled, and then like five people had no idea what he was talking about. But like there was, there were two people who were bummed that the he you know said like Bones is ending. Do you have any final words for Bones? And it was uh, a black guy and a white lady, uh, and and everybody else did not care. But like the the black guy was like, yeah, because David Boreanaz, he really like David Boreanaz from Angel, and I was like Angel shout out. Um, and then the 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 older lady had like. This like when this whole like monologue about it, it was really cool. Um, also, there was a Steven Universe shout out. Oh, this I missed past that. Week. Which is great. Yeah, yeah. They're like, "What are you watching?" And she, Steven Universe is like, "What's that?" Cartoon is a show on Cartoon Network, and, and he starts. She started talk, talking about it a little bit. I was like, "Yeah, Billy Street Lady." She's like, "Well, it's for it's a bunch of my friends come over. We all watch it." And I was like, "Yeah, Steven Universe is cool." Um, so and I got a little overexcited probably about that, but um, but but no, yeah, I can see not this possible. cross. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, seeing this cross section of of socioeconomic uh, status and race and age and uh, all of that, it's just, it's really it's really fun because no matter what, they're all made equal when Billy Eichner just runs up to them yelling, "Miss, Miss, for a dollar, Miss!" Uh, it's delightful. Um, I imagine at a certain point I will reach a threshold where it'll be enough and I'll need a break, but I'm not there yet, so we'll see how long it takes me to get there. 
Well, that that actually leads into like two questions. Was uh-huh. one um, is do you think that there's a point at which like Eichner's particular on the street thing can only last so long until he's saturated enough to people where people kind of go, oh, you're that guy who shouts at people and offers them a dollar. Sometimes <laughs> and... that happens. Sometimes they're like, you're really on the street. You're really funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, and then my other question was, is there any other particular segments that stood out to you that you had specific answers to like maybe having a threesome with Billy Eichner and John Hamm and how you would respond to that particular, like I have an answer to that question, but I'm more curious about your answer to that question. Oh no, my answer is, is, is no, but, um, (laughs) but I, I loved that segment. It was so, and John Hamm of course is so game. He was like, he's like pitching different (laughs) options. He's like, try to like, well, we can work with this. Like, you know, like it it was super fun. And like the lady who like only heard the first part of the question, we had three songs. With me, no, and John Ham. Well, John Ham, <laughs> it's like they're continuing. Was 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 uh, delightful. It was it's just super fun. Um, the uh, yeah, it was just yeah, it was it was super, it, it's super entertaining. The the um, what just again watching, um, really famous people walk around with with Billy Eichner and New Yorkers do not care. They do not know who they are. They do not care. Is always refreshing i think it's a kind of uh it's 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 a reminder of of other people are living their lives and they do not care about the things that you care about and that's okay they don't have yeah. to um yeah and just like check your check your bubble check your sphere of influence check you know where you're at and what you're taking as a as a taking for granted and taking as given um, in your conversation, in your pop cultural awareness, or just your cultural awareness. So uh, yeah. now that I've overanalyzed Billy on the street here for a while, as I am wont to do, uh, let's move on to our next comedy, which is Speechless. Um, uh, what, what happened this week on Sick Day? Right. So Sick Day, I feel like, is maybe like the culmination of a lot of what Speechless has been kind of aiming for, at least in terms of, how it's defining defining the DeMeos and various and also how Kenneth works in to their dynamics. And the episode begins with uh, Minnie Driver's character uh, showing her day and how really in the zone and how on top of things she is. Like she's got breakfast ready, she's got traffic duty ready, all this sort of stuff. She's on top of it. And again, like we've talked about uh, previously, like this is Minnie Driver like peak powers basically like this is a show that even though it's not a vehicle for her in a lot of ways feels like it was designed with her in mind in a lot of ways and pinpointing her talents and using them anyway kenneth comes in he sneezes twice and he doesn't sneeze into his elbow he sneezes into his hand which is gross and terrible and you're just asking to spread germs at that point but that's exactly what happens everyone gets sick and it disrupts everything within the household and the episode basically goes through and defines what each of the DeMeo's roles are within the family unit. Uh, so we find out how much that Minnie Driver's character does. We find out how much the dad does and what he does to keep the family chugging along. We find out what uh, the two, all three of the kids kind of contribute. And it's it's a real crystallization of how well a this show works but also how well thought out that these characters 
how well the writers have figured out what these characters bring to the show immediate within like halfway through the first season there like this is very much an episode that i feel like would have happened in season two or three of sitcoms that would have aired five to ten years ago whereas this year with uh and more recently like a lot of sitcoms have to really kind of hit the ground running a lot of ways and speechless has really done that as you and i have discussed off and on throughout this first season but the writers have such a clear idea of what each of these characters brings to the table and what each of these characters can do for one another. Um, we've seen that in previous episodes, but to have it all really laid out uh, in very explicit ways, I think is a real sign of the show's confidence in what story it's telling, but also in terms of the confidence in its cast to make this a very believable and reasonable story arc to have within the first season and not even towards the end of the first season halfway through the first season and that's just really great like even to the extent where uh the oh dylan uh get uh because kenneth's sick dylan is jj's voice uh for a little while and she gets distracted by a really hot upperclassman mm -hmm. that's in jj's classes and jj kind of calls her on it in terms of why are you doing this? Why are you wearing all this makeup and this sort of thing? And she's doing the standard teen slipping up of like saying the guy's name when she's not intending to and this kind of a thing. And JJ's just like, leave, get out of here. And then at the science fair project, she finds out that he's an absolute jerk, of course. Mm -hmm. And JJ knew the entire time, but wanted her to figure it out and like realize this. And he's just like, I will. I can't do anything for you, really, in terms of helping you with like lift things or any sorts of other things that, because of how, who I am, I can't necessarily help you with. But I will always protect you, and that's just such a big thing for the show to say right off the bat. She, he, it's not about him being embarrassed by her, which is the reason why she like sends he sends her away. Is that? He says that all everything she's doing is embarrassing him. He just wanted to protect her. And it's just like that it's just a very big moment between JJ and Dylan who haven't been like clearly their relationship I feel like hasn't been like super defined really, mm -hmm. but it crystallizes right there and then in a really good way. And in a really subtle way, but also in a really funny way that feels a piece of the show. And I can't say enough really good things about Sick Day. I really can't. Yeah. It was a very, very good episode. And we also find out that Kenneth's aunt worked at a hair, hair salon, and he picked up a lot of really good skills, including making people's hair look like Beyonce's. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. No, that's <laughs> lovely to hear, um, to get to see that big brother dynamic yeah. you know, play out with them. I th I, that's, that's really lovely to see, and to have the show you know, address that and you know, directly take that on is, yeah, I look, forward, I look forward to catching up with it. That's, yeah, that's lovely. That's lovely. What about Fresh Off the Boat this week? We got twice the awesomeness. Yes, we had twice the off awesomeness. So we had Best of Orlando and Clean Slate this week. And Best of Orlando dealt with Lewis being named Small Businessman of the Year in Orlando and accepting a award for it. And while he was giving his speech and knew what was going to happen before like the actual punchline comes in, but he thanks everyone. He thanks his uh -oh. kids. He thanks, <laughs> thanks Marvin by name. Uh -huh. He thanks yeah. his, all of his screw-up yep. employees. I know where this is going. 
does not think Jessica. Yep. yep. And needless to say, Constance moves a treasure and plays this just like really pitch perfectly. And like Randall Park also plays this really, really perfectly. Like both of these episodes are really strong Randall Park episodes as well. But it's just she refuses to like give him an inch. She's hiding out at Marvin's house. And like she goes to Marvin's house and she just goes, if you see him, give him this face. And he's just like, oh, it's the face of bitter disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> and But he gets it from, like, Ray, Ray Wise's impression of Constance mm -hmm. Wu doing mm -hmm. it. And it's just, it's it's just, the show's really funny. But we and you and I both know this. But it's a really good landing. And so he ends up going on to uh, the Good Morning Orlando talk show to say, like, I'm going to thank my wife on TV. That's better <laughs> Then doing it at a little hotel gala. And just as he's about to thank her, they cut to breaking news of an armadillo overturn oh, no. in the middle of an Orlando highway. But one of those armadillos is about to give birth, so they're not going to cut back to regular coverage until that armadillo gives birth. And so, of course, he doesn't get to thank her on TV either. <laughs> <laughs> so, Best of Orlando was really funny. Um, it also dealt with Emery and... Um, Eddie's starting like a junk, uh, Jinko, Junko's oversized jean leg clothing line and selling it and then it becoming immediately not cool once the principal, I think, gets in on it mm -hmm. and they lose all their money. But it, it's fine. Uh, but Clean Slate deals with like getting ready for the Chinese New Year and really the big takeaway from me for this episode is all the bizarre home improvement references. <laughs> <laughs> That pervade the episode in which um, Evan gets a haircut and he asks for he asks for the Randy, but he gets the Brad. Ooh. Exactly, exactly. Brad has the worst hair on Home Improvement mm -hmm. throughout its entire run, not only in the early '90s episodes, but through the entire run. Yeah. Yeah, and so he's very upset about that, so he writes an angry letter to the barbershop, who is a guy that Randall's been going to for years now, apparently, somehow. Mm -hmm. That worked out, I'm not entirely sure. But, so, it's all this about not wanting to have any bad karma going into the new year, and how um, Emery and Jessica kind of navigate settling debts, and how that kind of creates conflict between the two of them, which was also... Really interesting to see because Evan and Emery are just the two golden children. And it's especially because Emery's growing up, his role within the family is like shifting a little bit, which I really like them exploring. And you get to see that, you get to see that with him dealing with Jessica and a dry cleaner and the settling of debts type of thing. And it's really, it's really compelling family drama between the two of them. And really showcases like i was talking about speechless how well the writers and the cast really kind of get these characters that they can start pushing boundaries uh even though fresh off the boats in like season three they can start pushing boundaries in part because the characters are older now and that they need to do that because otherwise it just gets very static it gets very stale which means provided the show keeps going on I don't know, Kate, if I can handle Evan's rebellious phase mm. and what that's going to mean to Jessica. Yeah. Because I may not be able to handle that. Yeah, that's going to be tough. 
That's going to be tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but both of these were really, really great episodes of Fresh Off the Boat. And yeah, it was it was a very, I was very glad to have like two episodes this yeah. week. Yeah. No, that sounds fun. And you're right. Like the, the, the dynamics keep shifting and someone else will take the role of Golden Boy or there will be none of them in that role and she will just be adrift. Oh, no. Um, I can- <laughs> that would be even, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that certainly, if they get to that point with the show, um, yeah, that'll be fun to watch. That'll definitely be fun to watch. Um, speaking of fun to watch, our last episode of the week, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Will Scarsdale like Justice Sheena Punham? Um, this one, I want to say the most fun to watch was Remember That We Suffered with, of course, uh, uh, um, Patty Lapone, the one and only, the amazing Patty Lapone, along with the lovely and and miraculous uh, Tova Felcha back. Such a pleasure. Um, I want to say that it's another reprise of period sex. I want to say it's so many things, but I, I, I like binging on candy. But of course, I can't give it that status to anything other than Dr. Acopian. Dr. Acopian reacting to Rebecca getting ready to realize what she's been trying to tell her for her entire run on the show. <laughs> it was amazing. I loved it so much. As a teacher, I've experienced this so many times. I'm like, oh my God, wait, this thing I've been telling them for months, they're going to like, okay, let, let's walk them to it. We need to practice if we're going to get better. Wait for it. Oh, it happened. It happened. But... But except it doesn't happen because their emotionally toxic boyfriend comes in and proposes marriage. Yeah, to that them, doesn't. And they get very distracted from their musical with lessons my, with my middle schoolers <laughs> too often. I'll I'll be honest. Um, unfortunately, it hasn't happened with my high schoolers. Uh, <laughs> but that was for like I just I thought it was so amazing. Um, that was just the highlight of the whole thing for me. Uh, how, did did that similarly stand out for you, or did you have a different favorite moment from this week's episode? No, I think that was like the big standout. There's another standout, I think, which is her coming kind of weird to terms with uh, her rival uh, from the Jap mm-hmm. battle last season and going, I kind of don't hate you as much anymore. This isn't as much fun because our respective significant others are just clearly exactly the same in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, the whole... Cancel my next five appointments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is happening. <laughs> yeah. Was really, really great. And I was, but also it's just one of those things because you and I, have, you and I really kind of like dinged the show for this last week and like uh, doing this mm-hmm. too quickly, which I'm feeling like is kind of a purposeful decision yeah. now based on this particular plot move. But that being said, it's also just like you and I are both very much in a copian's position of wanting this kind of a breakthrough mm-hmm. to happen and so watching it happen and going yes oh my god yes, yes. <gasps> do it yes give it to me show give it to me and then josh bursting in and ruining it and going no so it, it was really it was really good um, in terms of the execution of it, and again, making us recontextualize a little bit of our criticisms from last week's like two two episodes of like, here's a bunch of stuff that happened really quickly, but kind of, st- I'm still not completely on board with happening very quickly. 
Mm -hmm. But this at least kind of recontextualizes the emotional aspect of it happening really quickly in a way that hadn't been fleshed out in the previous two episodes. Yeah. So I'm kind of willing to roll with it, but they're also like about to wrap up this season uh, in part because the CW just has an embarrassment of riches with its programming. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. we have other things to air, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see how it goes. Um, I guess my question then becomes, what did you think about the B-plot of everything happening in the White Feather for this week? Yeah. I don't care about new boss's daddy issues. He was an asshole. And I don't like, oh, but his daddy's mean to him. It's like, you're an adult. You're you're an adult. Like like with I do think that this episode um underplays or tries to get you to forget a bit the extent of emotional abuse we've seen Rebecca deal with with her mother where they're trying to like show, "Oh, it's not as bad as every, as as your perspective on it is. It's actually you that's miserable. It's not everybody else who's terrible." It's like, "No, her we've seen flashbacks. Her mother said horrible things to her and clearly was very emotionally abusive." And we've seen that pattern recur in the present day, too, in the past. So just trying to – it feels like too bit, too much of a retcon for me. Um, but in this case with the dad, we haven't seen that. We've seen guy can't get over his daddy issues, and they want us to like him way too much. Oh, yeah. No, I do not like him. Still. I no. mean, even as much as I enjoyed the line delivery of – it's not really a workout if your body doesn't think it's being chased by a lion – Mm-hmm. Um, I thought was, I thought that was funny, but it's just like, no, no, yeah, no. So yeah, that, that's. I mean, I liked what we got with Daryl. I thought that was good. I thought it showed him well and used him well. It's nice to see him outside of the context of of his relationship with Yjo. Yeah. Um, I think it's like that's important to not just define him by his relationship, but um, I the. I can see what the show's doing, and I, I just don't have any. It's like, oh, we're gonna—they're gonna win him over with their plucky, you know, good-heartedness, and he'll become one of the good guys. And I just—some people are jerks, and those jerks—if st- he's still a jerk at that age, he's not gonna grow a heart because he, you know, broke his—you know—broke off a tooth. And had to get taken to the ER. He's still going to throw all the, like, it just feels too, like too much of a stretch for me. Um, and again, too quickly. Yeah, I'll just, I'll co-sign all of that because it was all very much too quickly. Um, yeah, yeah. But I was, I was glad that George slash Jerome slash Jerry slash guy mm-hmm. with the easiest name in the world who no one can remember got his job back. That was nice. That was nice. Yeah, that was, yeah, nice. That was nice. But I'm also just happy that Maya keeps popping up because I love Maya. <laughs> yeah. Maya's pretty terrific. What did you think about the music this week? Um, you had our disco hit. Yeah, and see, about that disco hit, like, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed Heather's part in it, and I enjoyed Oh, my God. Her Soul Train dance? They need to let her dance more. Yes, yes, they do. They really, really need to make her dance more. But I was watching that whole Soul Train number, and I was thinking to myself that you and I both need those jumpsuits with hearts, Mm-hmm. And we can wear them to Clexicon in March. There we go. <laughs> and I mean, even though we're not in a relationship or anything, so it doesn't have that connotation. But I think we would both really rock those jumpsuits. I feel like you know, I feel like we could make that work. I think yeah. so. So I'm gonna write a letter uh-huh. to, to the show, <laughs> see if we can use them. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure I can wear either of their sizes. 
Yeah, there we go. There's the challenge. <laughs> but I can just ask them to take it in like four or five sizes. Uh, <laughs> you know, you just, uh, I know a tailor. You yeah. know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I liked I, I liked the Soul Train number a lot. Um, the Have We Suffered number I thought was fine. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't like deeply, deeply grab me. Um, but I, th- yeah, it was fine. It was fine. I thought the singing was good, but the singing could not not be good, basically, with yeah. its two main singers, as you mentioned at the top yeah. of this discussion. So, yeah, I, I think I loved these. I think I won't say loved. I think I liked the Soul Train number more just for the novelty and the genre riff of it all, and also Heather's role in it. Yeah, there's been a bit um, too much repetition for me, which I get is the point of the in the disco because they're not saying anything because they're not thinking about anything because they're deluding themselves. Like right. I get that, but in several of the recent songs, there's been lyrical repetition to the point where it doesn't feel like it's to be funny. It feels like because they couldn't think of anything better. Right? They like, they they figured out the chorus and just went, "That's our song." Yeah, it, like um. The 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 hocus pocus thing in in Frantopia, yeah. that's the time you get to do that. You don't then get to do the same thing like where you're just repeating chunks of lyrics again, as much as they have been. I think um, these last few songs have been, I think, quite a bit weaker. Though I do like the idea of bringing Patty Lapone in and not giving her some big emotional number, just yeah. giving her like completely disposable, you know. And I'm sure I'm sure it was. I imagine it was a she doesn't necessarily want to come in and do some big huge thing or maybe they only had her for like a day yeah. you know that kind of thing but um but yeah like i certainly would rather they go this way than like what they did with leah salonga i was like i didn't really care for that song i think this one was more fun um and and um i was seeing on twitter um a number this is of course anecdotal but i was seeing a, a number of uh fans of the show who are jewish and have that background and that experience just apparently it very much spoke to them um and so i thought that was that was uh then it was neat to see and to get a window into you know this is just she's such a character so defined by her background and her her upbringing with her mother it was really nice to see more of that and uh yeah i I like that we get reminded every now and again that she had a really horrible unhappy childhood and like most most of her life and she's working on it but she's gonna keep backsliding yeah she's She's working. Um, <laughs> Air quotes. <laughs> well, Noel, what wins your week in TV this week? Uh, I'll give it to Speechless this week for Sick Day. Uh, just mm-hmm. really solid work from a freshman comedy this year. Um, with an honorable mention to Sweet Vicious, which had a also very good episode of dealing with people kind of aligning themselves um, to deal to d- come to the end of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. and some the bottom fallout of a couple of things as well. Uh, so I need you to catch up so that we can talk. About yeah. It. No, I <laughs> I really want to. I really, really want to. Um, what about I you? Would, what won your week? Well, I would love to say that what won my week was the utter shellacking of Betsy DeVos and her hearing if I was more confident that she wasn't going to get confirmed. They're all going to um, get confirmed, Kate. They're all going to get confirmed. Like, it's just, oh, my God. Mar- Maribel, if you're listening, thank you for – for adding me in that thing about Betsy DeVos, you do not need to tell me that Betsy DeVos should not be our Secretary of Education because, dear sweet baby Jesus, um, yeah, yeah. And w- when the grizzly bear gun thing isn't the one that seems like the worst to me, that 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 says something. Um, so instead, 
uh, <laughs> I will say that, uh, yeah, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for me this week. Um, you, you know, like I had uh, a number of other things I was watching. Um, I didn't really have much to con- say about, but, um, but yeah, that was, that you know, so like there were some other, like elementary and, and, you know, I was watching some, some, I, I still love what Seth Meyers is doing on Closer Look and there's some other things I was watching as well. But like, for me, it's all about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend this week and, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't know that I needed uh, soul training, uh, uh, um, Heather, or a yeah, just you wait, Valencia. But I did. I guess I did know I needed the, that Valencia scene. But I definitely didn't know I needed soul training, Heather, and I did. So thank you, crazy girlfriend. Um, now we will take a break and come back with our 2017 TV resolutions. We'll be right back after this. We'll never have problems again. It's only smooth, smooth sailing. You guys are like super delusional. Uh, go away, Heather. Yeah, get out. Fine, I guess I'll just soul train out of here. Losers. We'll never have problems again. Now everyone will know that our love is undying. We'll never have problems again. No more nights of randomly crying. So, no, last year we did our 2016 TV resolutions. I resolved to watch more uh, television that featured underrepresented voices. Um, and uh, it was at least one show a week that I, to make sure I was always watching um, different series that uh, promoted and um, gave voice to underrepresented groups. Um, you resolved to watch more documentaries. Um, TV, specifically a handful of programs that we, we've talked about a few times in 2016. Now that we're in 2017, uh, how did you feel about your resolution? Were you glad that you made it? And what were, like, the one or two documentary, I guess, subjects or, like, films or episodes that that most have stuck with you? The things, like, I'm glad I did it in terms of needing to figure out um, this kind of, like, expanding basically my TV horizons, I think was the point, at least for this year. And I was glad I did it. I got, I watched a bunch of educational and also documentary type programming that otherwise I wouldn't have made time for if I hadn't done this basically, because in doing this podcast for a year, but also having previously written for tv.com and being expected to keep up with a lot of stuff through that, I just wouldn't have made time for it otherwise. So this was a really good way of doing this. Uh, wasn't always the best at it when we uh, did our check-in in December and I was just like, yeah, when I remembered to, but I was also really lucky that they <laughs> stopped airing new episodes over the summer. Ha <laughs> Yay. So I wasn't the best at it, but uh, I, I am resolved to at least try to keep up with it as much as I can this year as well. Uh, maybe not always watching every Nova episode that comes through and being a bit more selective in terms of the topics that 
are presented within the uh, within what they're going to cover that week. I may go uh, like I did with Frontline. I may just go. I don't really want to watch that, so I'm just going to delete it. Um, even though American Experience has a two-hour like adaptation of uh, Command and Control, which is this terrific book that deals with the Titan II crisis that happened in Arkansas. And I'm, that book is incredible, so I'm really excited to watch that actually this weekend. It aired last week, so I'm going to watch that this weekend, but I'm very, very excited to watch it because that book was phenomenal. Really compelling, really gripping stuff. So it's been good, I think, and I'm very happy that I've done it. Um, as for stuff that it stood out, like I keep going back to Amer- the American Experience episode um, about autism and love, which was just a really compelling look at different types of relationships from a perspective that I just, I can't tap into. Um, and how they navigate, how people with autism navigate that kind of relationship and whether or not they can navigate, uh, being in a relationship, being in love with another person and the frustrations that that brings, but also the, how personalities work with one another and that sort of thing. And I just keep going back to that because it was just, by far and away, the most compelling one I think I watched. Um, American Experience, I think, was the primo uh, documentary series that I watched last year of everything else I watched last of uh, the stuff I watched for this resolution last year. But there were also really good stuff, including a one that dealt with bootleg action films behind the Iron Curtain. Uh, was really, really interesting. Uh, dealt with not only people like coming together to watch this, but like the underground dubbing process and how fraught that was and how this one woman who dubbed a number of these movies, like bootleg movies became kind of like a minor celebrity within her country because of the fact that her voice represented all of this stuff and all of these politics to these people. And then when they bought in someone else, like, the bootlegs weren't as well received because it wasn't her. And just the the culture of piracy that was innate and needed for that to survive was really, really interesting. But I just kept going back to Autism and Love in the sense that I remember the title of the documentary more clearly than pretty much everything else. Uh, so that, I think, really stuck out to me uh, more than anything. What about you? You're... I feel like you kind of had a decent, easier time of it in that a lot lot of the stuff that we discussed week to week fulfilled your resolution much more than mine. (laughs) Nothing we talked about week to week filled yours. No, I got off like so easy this last year because um, last year was a year when 2016 was a year when a lot more diversity showed up on screen yeah. not always behind the scenes enough but at least on screen and in some of the shows we were watching it was behind the screen as well but you know the, in the filmmakers and the writers and producers and, and such of the different shows we were watching but yeah it was like i didn't like it feels like a cop-out because i didn't actually the, the purpose of the resolution was to get me to go seek out right. new shows and i didn't have right, to because they just, <laughs> they, they found came, me they came to you <laughs> yeah i mean we had to look a little bit, I guess, to find Greenleaf. Like, I didn't. People weren't talking about it that yeah. much. Um, but all the other shows that we watched throughout the year that fulfilled my quota of underrepresented voices, um, 
I mean, between Steven Universe and Jane and Underground and uh, Greenleaf and Queen Sugar and Atlanta and Insecure. I mean, like, there's so many. There were a lot of them uh, around. And, um, yeah, so so it just I, – I, I don't think that I actually learned my lesson from my resolution the way I was supposed to. Um, so – yeah, I feel kind of like yeah, I think I I achieved it my my thing, but I didn't the 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 point of it like I I achieved the letter of of the resolution, but not the the underpinning of it. So uh, ish is sort of how I feel about whether I achieved my um, my resolution. And as for like the ones that stuck out the most, I mean that we listened to our smorgasbordy and our top 20 because those shows were all over them because there was a lot of really terrific, terrific programming that fit into my resolution. Um, and that takes us to 2017 resolutions. So uh, I'm sure that my I will continue to watch all the shows that we talked about last year that I really liked. I will still be watching them this year. Have you watched the trailer for Underground Season 2 yet? Uh, no, I haven't. Not yet. But I, ah, I, I'm also just excited. like... I just want to go in without any mm-hmm. no I feel without that, yeah. anything beyond fuck yeah Harriet Tubman action hero <laughs> yeah I think that's all the hype I need it's that personal yeah. own personal brand of hype <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's that's fair enough um so yeah I don't think it'll be challenging to at least this next year we'll see how long it holds up but I don't think it'll be challenging to continue you still to got it really easy. I'm the one that has to yeah. work at it still. This year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so did that inform your decision for your 2017 resolution at all? No. Um, mainly because my 2017 resolution was once again watch more TV. Um, in terms... <laughs> you already watched so much know, TV. But you don't need to watch here's more. Here's the thing <laughs> is that I was going through like my previous best of list. Um, Mm -hmm. not even in the run-up to making mine for this year. I was just like, I was thinking about it earlier this month and going, I wanted to look back at after having a couple of shows, one show in particular, which informed this resolution and going, well, what types of shows of these particular types of shows have been on my list, my list previously since I've been making them and i've been making them actually since 2012 which is kind of insane to me because my first one was for a top five list for um tv.com in 2012 and i was just like okay okay so i went through them and i just went all right well this year that i i only had one show on there and i kind of like slid off of watching anime in a really consistent fashion and because uh i listened to Emily Yoshida uh, launched a anime podcast a couple of weeks ago, and it's one of those podcasts where I go, this is very much for casual people who watched a lot of anime like in the 90s and maybe in the early aughts, but like aren't like super tapped into that particular community or that particular discussion. And I remember like when I was putting things like Princess Jellyfish or Lupin the Third's uh, uh, view of um, Fujikum. Fujiko and just all this stuff. I had like a number of animes on my top 20 list, on my top 10 lists, on my top 20 lists, like ping pong and just a bunch of other stuff that I really, really enjoyed. 
but I kept sliding off of watching it in any consistent fashion because of how the Japanese television sh season structure is. Is it's four seasons a year, Kate. It's thirteen weeks, <laughs> and then there are new shows every thirteen weeks. And Kate's making a face of like that's insane, and it is insane. So basically, mm -hmm. my resolution is at least to watch two shows each season from the new season uh, that starts every mm -hmm. th 13 to 14 weeks. Uh, because it was just like, if it hadn't been for like my friend Danielle making sure I was very much aware of Yuri and Ice, that I was going, I probably would have missed it. And that would have been really sad because A, Yuri and Ice was on my top 20, very high up in my top 20, but also Yuri and Ice was just a really fantastic show. And so I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss another really fantastic show or another just really fun show. And so I'm resolving right now to watch at least two, provided they're the license by Crunchyroll, since I'm already paying them uh, for my premium <laughs> membership. And But not Funimation, because their website hates me. Sorry. Uh, um, <laughs> so I'm resolved to at least watch two uh, a season. And I haven't picked out... I haven't looked at the chart, because a big chart comes out every 13 weeks of all the shows that are premiering. And I haven't looked at the chart for winter yet. But I'm going to, and to figure that out soon. And But I, again, I don't want to miss another show. And I don't want to miss anything else that I think I might particularly like. I'm, so I'm going to try to sample a bunch, but I'm also going to try to at least keep up with at least two. And that's my resolution for 2017, which is watch more television yet again. But I'm feeling mm. confident in that I can do this because I'm also like making like a lot of cuts to stuff that I've watched regularly. Like I'm just ditching Arrow this year, um, this half of the season, because I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. So that's that's mm -hmm. that's that's an hour I get back, Kate. That's an hour I can watch yeah. anime, and I feel like that's mm -hmm. a reasonable yep. compromise of just going. Well, I'm going to lose one show, but I'll get two, and I I feel like that's okay. So that's my yeah. resolution is to watch a little bit more anime this year and um, talk about it a little bit more um, on here if it moves me to do so. Because as we learned, I just wanted to talk about Yuri and Ice every week and I just never, ever, ever did. But in part because we kept running for like three to four hours. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that this week. Isn't it, it is nice? It is so nice. And I'm going to be <laughs> on time for watching the Good Place finale. I'm very excited. Yeah. Um, so that's my <laughs> resolution. Uh, what about you? What have you resolved television related wise to do in 2017? What I have resolved to do is to to start watching YouTube shows. Good for you. Because I've never watched yeah. any. And there's a lot of good ones out there. And it's how the kids watch their programming. Right. As I've Young learned. people don't watch television at all. They don't even watch Netflix. <laughs> yeah. So um, I haven't watched any of it. And there's a lot of really great stuff yeah. out there. Um, like, what's the what's the vampire with Camilla? You're, you're right? talking to an old there's... Kate. I don't know this Yeah, stuff. I know. I'm also an old. Um, <laughs> but there's one that's, like, really, really good that has been on forever. That I think starts with a C that involves vampires that people have been telling me I need to watch for a very long time. Um, not to mention the kitchen. What's the some, somebody's kitchen one? 
Why are you and asking? Like, yeah, you why are you asking me like I know this? It's like a catering company. Something somebody's catering. That I don't sounds know. like party um, down. Does Rob catering, need to file catering? a lawsuit against these people? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but no, there's a there's a lot of really great YouTube programming out there that I've never sought out and I've never made time for. And I think that I should, if only to understand a different type of storytelling, to give respect to a different type of storytelling, and to not be like the people that I, you know, rail against when I say respect 10-minute program yeah. TV, respect, you know, 15-minute TV, respect animation and anime and all these different genres. It's not about the genre. It's about the execution and the, the storytelling and the creativity and art within that genre. It's just like I get irritated when people say they don't like like an entire genre of music. It's like, well, but that's to me that at a certain point it becomes asinine because there's all sorts of different types of like country or rap or blues or hip hop or, or pop or anything. There's like world like I don't like classical. What does that even mean? Do you like, just not like I that don't... particular like classical era do you like baroque maybe or do you need like some 20th century instrumental do we do you need to listen like, to do some you like film scores because yeah. that's that's classical like like there's i just think that's ass- or like i just don't like sculpture i like painting but i don't like yeah yeah exactly and and i don't i just don't watch youtube that's not tv it's like well at this point it's no different yeah um, and so I, I don't plan to add a, a subscription to like CISO or, or some of the other streaming options out there. That's not in the budget right now, but I can certainly watch some YouTube. I can certainly try to understand a different type of, of TV storytelling and, uh, a different like world of TV stars and celebrities and creatives. I mean, Rachel Bloom started as a YouTube sensation and we certainly like where she's gone um, as she's transitioned to, to network TV. So um, there, I'm sure there's a whole world out there that I'm missing. So the way that I'm going to quantify this, because I feel like it's important for me to quantify yes. this, is that I will at least sample a different um, YouTube show each okay. month. So at the end of the year, I should have at least seen a decent amount of 12 shows so that i can have like i could at least i i need to be able to have seen at least 10 to feel like i can rank anything like if i haven't seen 10 movies in the year i don't feel like i can have a top five because i need to have a top and a bottom you know these were just five movies i watched and i put them in order that i like them from least to most (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so hopefully by the end of the year i will have seen at least 12 different web uh web series or youtube series and we'll have thoughts and reactions and an ability to rank them in a better understanding at least of how youtube storytelling works okay so do you watch any youtube series no i do not um i've never really tried either um maybe mm-hmm. because i'm not quite sure where to start even though i'm sure there are a number of primers out there that would be happy to mm-hmm. tell you where to start um but, yeah listeners yeah. the televerse at gmail.com but with your idea of wanting to watch at least one a month, um, so should we just make it like resolve to do like monthly check-ins then? Because what do you think? I I feel I, like I feel like we should just to keep, especially you at this point, since you're wanting to do one yeah. a month, accountable. But I also think like this will be a good way to make sure that we're discussing it, and uh-huh. as opposed to doing like the where we did it like every. Four, every three, three months, or four yeah. months, 
I think we'd, okay. I I I feel like that that's a reasonable thing is to be like, and then we can shame one another if appropriate. Uh, being <laughs> like you're you're a failure of this very <laughs> arbitrary resolution that we're forcing <laughs> on one another. <laughs> well, well, you realize then that our check in has to be next week because we're running out of January. No, no, no. We'll we'll start next month. We'll give ourselves okay, starting a February. Because okay. I mean, okay. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure when the winter season starts. I think uh-huh. it's I think it's February, but I'm not sure because <laughs> I haven't <laughs> done my research either. So we'll we'll like kind of start in February and do like a four week check in, or at the very least, like after Clexicon, we can check in. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds okay, good. Okay, so we'll start. By we'll, the way, yeah. listeners, uh, because we forgot to mention at the top, um, we're still uh, looking forward to Clexicon. Let us know if you're going to be there because we're we're brainstorming ideas for a potential. Uh, we'll see if it, if it, if it happens. We're pondering a live Televerse record. Yes. at Clexicon. So but, let us know if you're going to be there because we are super duper excited and we yes. we can't wait to we're going to actually hang out in person. Right. What? We're going to we're going to be very get, strange. Like, bottle service at some clubs. No, we're, we're going to go to like the pinball. <laughs> Not nearly that cool. We're, we're going to go to the pinball hall of fame and a bunch of other museums that are <laughs> in Vegas as opposed to doing any of the actual cool things that are in Vegas because we're nerds. Because we're nerds, <laughs> nerds for life, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that's a that's a that's a good idea though to check in every now and again. If it does, I don't know that we'll always have like a, a whole segment on it, right? Depending on where we're watching, but certainly we can absolutely check in on it because I think that's I think you're right. I think that's a good way to make sure we actually do it. Because um, I fell off yeah. because we never, you never did it. You never like went. No, well, how's those documentaries going? And I'm just like. <laughs> I have eight of them on my DVR. I swear to God, I'm going to watch them, Kate. And you're just like, that's cool. We'll talk about it next month. And it's just like, that's not the way to hold me accountable, Kate. No, it's not the way to hold me accountable either. Oh, goodness. Um, now that I actually have a resolution that will require the the tiniest modicum of work. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, looking forward, looking forward to seeing how this resolution shapes up (laughs) this year um well that wraps up uh the podcast for this week you can find a post for this episode at theteleverse.org the website for the podcast you can leave us a comment there let us know what you thought of the week's tv we've been hearing from i want to say it's keith keith yes at the website so thank you keith for chiming in with your thoughts um you can also email us theteleverse at gmail.com you can start up a conversation on facebook on the facebook group um like the page and, and uh and chat there you can also find us in itunes with an M4A chaptered feed, an MP3 unchaptered feed. Go read David's review in um, the UK uh, iTunes. It's delightful. Um, you can find us in Stitcher. We would appreciate ratings and reviews there as well as in iTunes um, because it does help other people find the show. Um, and then we're both on Facebook. And then we're both on Twitter. We I'm are both on Facebook, but I never check my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. I am also on Facebook, but I just, I don't like ever use it. So I don't really, I have like no friends on Facebook and I'm, I'm okay with that. I, that's about right. That's about right. I, um, but you can find us both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. And that wraps up the Televerse this week. So thank you as ever, Noel, to always pleasure help helping you keep me accountable i I think it's good i think it's good (laughs) it's keeping me accountable too i don't i don't know why you're thanking me this is making sure i do it as well (laughs) go team yes um thank you everyone for listening and we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse 